you'd like to pull out a Bible and turn to Ezekiel, the 8th chapter, we're going to do a little reading there to begin our study. I uh, won't have those uh, first few verses on the PowerPoint, so uh, while you're turning there, I want to say it's a privilege to be here this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand before you and pray that the things that we have to say will help you in your walk with, with the Lord. There's an interesting chapter here, and I'm just going to read it and then make a few comments, but uh, I think it's very, very fascinating, the vision here that Ezekiel sees in Ezekiel, the 8th chapter. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah set before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness, as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins even downward fire, and from his loins even upward as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. So Ezekiel sees this vision, and as he looks there and, and beholds that vision, he sees something like this. The vision of a person, uh, the likeness of a person, it says from his waist down he was on fire. And from his waist up, he glowed like amber. And that had to be a little bit disconcerting. That's just not something we see every day, something like that. And Ezekiel sees that. It says that uh, uh, as we go along there in verse 3, he says, And he put forth the form of a hand. And so uh, the form of a hand forms out of this image and comes out. And it says, And he took me by a lock of mine head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven, and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seed of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. He said he grabbed me by the hair of the head. This, this image comes out of a, of a hand, out of this guy that's on fire from the waist down, glows from the waist up. He comes out, he grabs me by the hair of the head, and he holds me there between heaven and earth. Picks me up where my feet are just dangling there, not even touching the ground. Must have had Ezekiel's attention at that point. Something's going on there. And then look what he says. It says, and brought me in the visions of God. He's going to show Ezekiel what God sees. Ezekiel's going to get a view unlike any other view. We just don't have the ability or the power to see what God sees. We can see each other and we see the appearance of one another. We can see each other and we get just a very, very small glimpse of what's really going on. But he said he took me in the visions of God. He's going to show Ezekiel exactly what God sees. And keep in mind, Ezekiel's gathered there with the leaders of Judah, with the elders of Judah. He's gathered there. And now he's ripped out of that situation, and he's going to be taken, and he's going to be shown what God sees. Verse number 4, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now. The way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes, the way toward the north. And behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, therefore, or he said, furthermore, unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? He said, do you see what they do? 
This is the elders of Israel. He said, do you see what they do? He says, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth there, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. There said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. Ezekiel said I could see a little hole in the wall. And he, and he tried to look through that little hole in the wall. You ever looked through a peephole? You can see a little bit through a peephole. You look out, you're at a hotel, somebody knocks on the door, and you look out, and, and you can see somebody's there, but you can't make out very much. You can't really tell what's going on. And, and the Lord said to him, dig at that hole, make it bigger. I want to show you what I can see there. I want to show you what's going on there. And so he did. He said, uh, he, he uh, digged in the wall, and behold, a door. And he said unto me, in verse 9, And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. He said, let me show you what these elders of, of Judah are doing here. They're worshiping false gods. They've got all these animals portrayed upon the wall. You know where they got that? That was like an Egyptian hieroglyphic. They painted it all on the wall, and then they worshipped it. He said they're burning incense to it. This is the people of God that are worshiping idols here. He said, that's what I see. That's what I see going on. The people of God worshiping idols. Verse 12. Then he said to me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark. Every man in the chambers of his imagery, for they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. That's what they thought. God don't see us anymore. God doesn't see what we're doing. God doesn't care what we're doing. And so we'll just worship these animals. And we'll burn incense to these animals. They can see us. They know what's going on. God doesn't see us. That's what they thought. God saw everything. God said, Ezekiel, you see what they're doing in the dark? You see what they're doing in secret? Verse 13, he said unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. And he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women Weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz was a false uh, a god, a false idol. And they had celebrations. They celebrated the death of Tammuz and they weeped during that celebration. And then they celebrated the rebirth of Tammuz at a different period of time. And, so, and had, had wild parties and celebrations for Tammuz. He said, there are the women of Judah weeping for Tammuz. Partaking in that, that abominable celebration of an idol. He said in verse 15, Unto me thou hast seen this, hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, the door of the temple of the Lord, behold, the porch and the altar 
where about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Not the sun, S-O-N, the sun, S-U-N. They worshiped the rising sun in the sky. They turned their back on the temple of God and they worshiped something that God created and set in the sky. How foolish is that? And he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger, and lo, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, Yet will I not hear them. You know, this is really a sad chapter to read. But the points that I want to make there about the secrets that the elders of the house of Judah had, they had some secrets, didn't they? They had some things going on in the dark. He said, look, son of man, what the, the leaders of Israel, the leaders of Judah do in the dark. They were hiding. And outwardly to people, they gathered with Ezekiel. They, at the start of that chapter, they gathered up there with Ezekiel. And they sat around and they listened to Ezekiel proclaim the word of God. And yet they went out and committed these abominable acts of idolatry. They worshipped animals. They worshipped images, idols. And they worshipped the sun, something that God had created. They had secrets. And you know what they said about those secrets? The Lord seeth us not. The Lord seeth us not. I don't think there's any one of us here today that would say that, that would think that. But sometimes it seems like people go about and they act like that. We keep secrets from one another, and we're pretty good at keeping secrets from one another, but we cannot keep secrets from God. God knows everything. God knows everything. Ezekiel didn't know that. Ezekiel was sitting there with those people in that place. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't have any idea. And the image of this thing picked him up by the hair of his head and took him and said, I'm going to show you what God sees. And then he looked and he peeled back that hole in the wall and he could see what God saw all along. God saw these terrible acts of idolatry. God knew what was going on. There was no room for God to doubt. He didn't wonder. He, he didn't have to figure it out. God knew the whole time what was going on. And God knows exactly the same thing in your life as well. Let's look back at a couple of those verses. In verse 3 of Ezekiel 8, it says that he brought me in the visions of God. He showed me what God was seeing. In verse 6, he said, Furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? When he showed him what God saw, when he revealed to him what God saw, there were no secrets. God saw it all. He could see the images they were worshiping. He could see the animals they were worshiping. He could see everything. And yet they said, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord seeth us not. That couldn't be further from the truth. In the 44th Psalm, in verse number 21, it says, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Every secret that you've got, God knows that secret. 
So if you were to take yourself and you could remove yourself far away from everybody else, out to a very, very secluded place, maybe that's in the middle of a big ranch, maybe that's on a deserted island somewhere where nobody else is, maybe that's the closet in your home that you can shut the door and nobody knows you're there and nobody knows you're around. Now what are you thinking about there? What are you doing there? Because that's the true measure of whether we're followers of God or not. Does our mind then go to meditations of the Word? Does our mind then go to good deeds and servant attitude? Or does our mind go to what can I get away with? You know, there was an old movie where a guy was able to turn invisible. And, you know, when he turned invisible, he felt this great freedom to just go out and commit all kind of, of sins because nobody could see him. He could do whatever he wanted to do and nobody could see him. And I've heard it been said that integrity is the true measure of what you would do when, when you're all alone, you can do anything you want to do and nobody's ever going to find out. That's the true measure of integrity. What do you do in secret? What kind of secrets do you have? Believe it or not, the Bible says that we should have some secrets. That it's okay to have some secrets. The Bible teaches that. The Bible says that. And we should have some things in our life that we keep secret. One of those things is alms, our good deeds, our, our giving to the poor. That should be a secret. We shouldn't flaunt that and flash that out and tell everyone about how wonderful we are and how much money we're giving to the poor. The Bible teaches out against that. It says keep that secret. Hold that within. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. If we're flashing that out and doing that in front of everybody, our reward is the pat on the back that somebody gives us. Good job. We appreciate you doing that. And that feels good, doesn't it? But that's the only reward we're getting if we're doing it to be seen of men. He goes on to say in the next verse, Matthew 6 and verse 2, Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So we get back to this idea again that God knows. God can see. God has peeled back the hole in the wall and he can see everything that we do. And when we do those alms, those good deeds, when we give to the poor and help those that are in need, he says God sees that. And you don't need the praise of men for that to, to be doing good. He said you need to do that in secret. And God, the Father which sees in secret, is going to give you reward. As we continue to look there in Matthew the 6th chapter, we see that we should have a, a secret prayer life. Now, Brother Jace talked a, a, a week or so ago about our public prayer and what, what we're to do in public prayer. And certainly the Bible teaches that we're to pray in public. We must pray in the assembly of the church. We pray in public places. There's nothing wrong with that. But he says we need to have a secret prayer life as well. A prayer life where we can enter into the closet and we can pour out our heart and we can pour out our soul and our needs and we can give thanks. And we do that privately so as not to attract any attention, so as not to heap any glory on ourselves for that prayer, but it's just between us and God and that's very important. 
In Matthew 6 and verse number 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So these Pharisees would go out into the street corner and they would hold up their hands and they would make these long and, and probably very wonderful prayers to hear. The problem was they weren't really praying to God. They didn't care if God heard them or not. The only thing they were interested in is that these passers-by would hear them and say, what a great guy. Look at everything that he knows and can say to prayer in God or to, can say to God in prayer. He says they have their reward. It's the pat on the back. Good job. That's all they're going to get. That's all the reward you get when you pray just to be seen of men. Verse 6, but, when thou pray, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He says, have this secret prayer life where you can pray to God and where you can tell Him everything. And He's going to reward you for that. More so than if you pray standing on the street corner and make a big show of it. He goes on to talk a little bit about fasting later on in that chapter. Uh, that should be a part of our secret, secret life. He says in Matthew 6 and verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What's their reward? Man, you've been fasting. Great job, great job. That's all the reward they're going to get. But he goes on to say that if we'll do that in secret, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God knows. He knows the secrets. He knows the motivation. He knows if you're doing this good deed to be seen of men, or if you're doing this good deed because you love God, and you want to serve God, and you want to worship God. He knows the difference. It's not hard for Him to tell. And so my point in saying these things is, we can put on the best Christian face that anybody can put on. We can be here every time and we can poke out our chest and say, I serve the Lord and I love the Lord and I'm obedient to the Lord. And God knows the motivation of our heart, whether we're doing that because we really love Him or we're doing that because we don't want so-and-so to say something to us about not being there. Or He knows that if we're doing that because we just want to impress the folks in the community that we're such a wonderful Christian person. He knows the difference. And that brings me to this next point here about, in a way, our works of obedience need to be done in secret. And I'm not saying that to say, I, I know that that maybe can be a little confusing to put it that way, but I, here's my point. If you're going to obey God... You don't need to, to poke out your chest and be proud about how you're, you're serving God and proud of that obedience and going around telling everybody how wonderful you are and, and obedient you are. And let's, let's make that point with Matthew chapter 25, 23 and verse 5. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5, he says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. 
They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. You know, if we were to read verse 2 there, we see that Jesus admonishes his followers and his listeners there to do everything that the Pharisees say to do. He said they're right in what they're telling you to do. They're right in what they want you to do to follow me and to follow God. They're right in that. But he says, but don't do after their deeds, for they say and do not. They say and do not. They had these secret lives. What should have been secret for them, they were making in the wide open. All the good deeds, the alms, the fasting, the prayer, all those things that should have been secrets, they were making it a show. And they were bringing it out into the wide open. And all the things that they should have been getting out into the wide open, they were suppressing and they were making those things secret. We'll talk about that in a moment. So I want you to think about your life for just a minute here. Why do you come to church? Why do you serve the Lord? You do it because your parents might get angry if they found out you weren't here? Do you do it because the elders might get upset if they found out you weren't here? Do you do it because the people in the community pat you on the back and say what a wonderful person you are because you go to church on Sunday and you serve the Lord? Why do you obey the Lord? Do you obey Him because it's the right thing to do? Because you know it makes your life better? Because you know that you're doing service to God? Or do you do it for, for the reason that he says right here in, uh, in Matthew 23? All their works they do to be seen of men. Our good works, our good deeds are between us and God when it gets down to it. Yeah, we're to serve our fellow man. We're to love our fellow man. And we don't need to run around... Uh, committing sins and trying to keep all of our good works hidden and in, in the dark. That's not what I mean. I mean we don't need to make a show of it. It's our reasonable service. It's what we've been called to do. It's the very baseline of Christianity and it's not something that we should make a big show about. We serve God, not to be seen of men. Those things are to be secrets. Now, there are secrets that we should avoid. Secrets we shouldn't have. Secrets that we need to get out into the open. What about those things? Number one, our faults. When I'm talking about faults, it's, it's really weaknesses that we have. I'm not necessarily talking about sin. You can have faults that don't result in sin. But we should be honest with one another about our faults. So do a study sometimes, and, and in that, during the course of that study, well, we, we write down things that maybe we do that agitate other people. Because those are faults. Those are struggles that we have. We've got to be honest with one another about those faults. In the 19th Psalm of the 12th verse, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. We've got to be honest with the Lord about our faults. Ask him to cleanse us of those faults. Ask him to put those faults away from us. And then, of course, in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another. One to another, not just to God. Now, I'm not talking about every sin that you've ever committed. I'm not asking you to pour out all those old past sins that you've committed. In some ways, that might hurt the church. 
God doesn't ask us to tell uh, our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ every sin we've ever committed. But he says, confess your faults. Confess those weaknesses. Be honest with one another about the weaknesses that you have. Maybe that helps people understand you better. Maybe that helps people have some more compassion. Maybe that helps people uh, to, to give you the strength you need to overcome those things. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now the second thing I have on the list here is sin. And like I said, I'm not talking about all your past sins in your, in your former life. I'm talking about right now. That was the concern that, that God had with the people of Israel and Judah at that time. That was the concern that God had so much so that he took Ezekiel and he showed him that vision. Because those folks had sin in their life right then, right there. And they thought those sins were hidden. They thought they could portray a lifestyle in front of everyone else that was Christ-like and then go ahead and in the dark they could serve these idols and worship these idols and do whatever they wanted to do in the dark. Verse 10 of Ezekiel chapter 8. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, the abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. They were worshiping these terrible, terrible things. And he says in verse 11 that it was 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. In the midst of Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. The sin they had was idolatry. Idolatry. And, and that vision talks about God being provoked to jealousy. One in the Ten Commandments, as God issues the Ten Commandments to Moses, He says, the Lord your God is a jealous God. You'll have no other gods before me. No other ones ahead of me. And yet here was His people. His people had that sin in their life. We can't have those kind of secrets. We can't act like we're serving God. And be living in sin. That's not what God wants. God doesn't want a show. God wants a pure heart. God is desirous of a pure heart that's dedicated, that wants to serve Him. Ezekiel 8 and 14, He brought me into the door of the gate of the house, which was towards the north, and behold, there sat the women weeping for Tammas. We talked about Tammas a little bit. That Tammas was this false idol. They had this idolatry in their heart. And they continued. Uh, this verse 16, they worshiped the Son. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4. Paul tells us, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. So he lists off some of these sins. Sins that are typical for people to try to keep secret. Fornication or sexual immorality, uncleanness, uh, which some, uh, some uh, translations will render into a, a form of homosexuality. He talks about those sexual sins first of all. And then he talks about covetousness or or seeking after money and desiring money and loving money. He said, let those things not be named among you. Those are things we want to keep secret. We want to have our Christian life and put on our show, but we want to have these secret things as well. 
and partake in these secret sins. He said, don't let them be named among you. That doesn't become saints. And then he talks about filthiness and foolish talking and jesting, dirty jokes and those kind of things. He says, don't let those things uh, be named among you. They're not convenient. And if we skip down in the chapter, he begins to talk about those things as being the works of darkness. Ephesians 5 verse 11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done to them in secret. He said, look, people want to keep these things secret. They don't want to talk about these things, but they want to participate in these things. He said it's a shame to even talk about them. Don't let those things be named among you. Don't have fellowship with these works of darkness. Don't have those sins in your life. We can't have a foot on both sides of the fence. We've got to put those secrets out. We've got to be honest with one another. We've got to confess those things. We've got to get them out of our life, rooted out of our, our life totally. Matthew chapter 23 Verse 25, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Now blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Jesus had a way of putting things very, very plainly to the Pharisees. And he said, look, here's the deal. You've made the outside of the cup clean, but you didn't clean the inside. You know, which of us would take an old dirty cup that had just been setting out and, and growed mold in it and looked nasty and just pour us another cup of coffee in there and drink it? We wouldn't do that. We're not going to drink. We're not going to eat out of some dish that's dirty. We even get it out of the dishwasher. We inspect it. We make sure the inside's clean because that's what matters. And he said to the Pharisees, look, your problem is you're nice and neat on the outside. You've cleaned up the outside, but the inside's full of all this nastiness and dirtiness, extortion, excess. Verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones. And of all uncleanness, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Herein is, is this lesson summed up, I think. I don't know what's going on in your secret life. I have no clue. I see just a little bit. I see the appearance that you want me to see. And... If I'm being honest, you see of me the appearance that I want you to see. You don't know what's going on in, in my secret life. You have no idea, but God does. God knows. And God, for Ezekiel, he peeled back the, the curtain, and he let Ezekiel see what was going on. And that was the leaders of the house of Judah, and they were worshiping idols. And that's scary. To think that people of God were serving idols. They had given themselves wholly and completely over to idolatry. And we rock along the New Testament times. And the leaders of the religious world, the Pharisees, the leaders. He said, you've cleaned up the outside. The inside's nasty. He said, I can't even tell people to do what you do. I can tell people to do what you command. But they can't follow your example. Because your example will lead them right into the ditch. It will lead them right away from me. 
We've got to examine ourselves today, brothers and sisters. We've got to look at our life because only you and God know what's going on there. Only you and God know what happens in the dark. Only you and God know what happens in secret. And God knows. He knows. You can't hide it from Him. The 90th Psalm in verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before Thee, our secret sins in the light of Thy countenance. He's, it's just glowing before God. Everything is glowing before God. One more point and on a completely different note, but a secret that we have to avoid is the gospel is not meant to be a secret. The gospel is not meant to be a secret. And we can't hold it as a secret within our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. But I have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. He said you put away those other secrets, those old secrets. You've got that out in the open. Those old hidden things of dishonesty. Those old hidden things of not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation, that means making known or making seen. Not Manifestation is the opposite of a secret. He says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The gospel can't be a secret. The truth can't be a secret. We've got to get that out of the open. We've got to share that at each and every opportunity we have. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think Brother Matt's going to talk about some of those things later this afternoon. Romans chapter 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is not a secret. It is not something to be ashamed about. It is not something to bury deep within. The gospel is to be shared, and we've got to be the ones that share it. Get those things into the light. Don't hide them and don't hold on to them, because God will judge all secrets. All secrets are going to be judged by God. The wise man says in Ecclesiastes 12 and 14, For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or bad. You got the secret good deeds and the secret alms and the secret prayer and the secret fasting and the secret obedience. Guess what? He's going to bring that into judgment. And, he's going to be, and God's going to be the one to pat you on the back. And God's going to be the one to welcome you in and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if you've got the secret sins and the secret faults and you're worshiping idols, in secret and you're committing these abominations in secret and you're holding on to bitterness and envy like Brother Britt talked about a week or so ago, those things are going to be judged as well. Those are the secrets we got to get out in front of God now. Because guess what? God can forgive them now. God can forgive every one of those sins. You've worshipped false gods. He can forgive that sin. You've committed any of these sins we've talked about. He can forgive that sin. He can do it now. He can do it today. But you've got to let Him do it. You've got to bring those sins to Him and lay them before Him and say, this is what I've got because the blood of Jesus will wash it away. But you can also hold on to it. And you can also bury it deep within. And the best you're ever going to get is a pat on the back from somebody in this life, not from God. And when you walk into the judgment seat, God's going to say, I don't know who you are. you got all these secret sins in your life. you got all this secret. Yeah, you put on a good show, but you didn't serve me. You didn't serve me. 
Ezekiel 8 and 18, what did he say about the leaders of the house of Israel and Judah? He said, I'll deal, with, I'll deal in fury. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, I will not hear. And when the day of judgment rolls around, you can cry to the Lord all you want. You can beg, and you can plead, and you can cry, and you can say, Lord, Lord, I've done this, and I've done that. I've worshipped you, and I've served you, and I've cast out devils. I've done all these wonderful things. And he'll say, I never knew you. And he will not have pity at that moment. He will not have pity. The only time the Lord's going to have pity is if you bring those sins to him now. If you bring them to him now, he will be merciful, and he will be full of pity, and he'll wash those sins away. You've got to bring them to him now. You cannot wait. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. We're not going to escape judgment. We can stand and preach against all manner of sin, and if we go out and commit that sin, we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged, just like the folks that are committing that in the wide open. We're going to be judged. Neither's good. Neither's good. But he says, we're not going to escape. So I beg you this morning, I beg you, that if you've got sin in your life that hasn't been dealt with, bring it to God today. Bring it to him. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.